Some of you look up on the screen and you won't catch the error in the math. Stephen Carter is a professor of law. He is a um, um, author and he talks about a cartoon that he saw. This young man standing at a blackboard in a college setting and he writes this math problem up on the board. Uh, the young man looks over at the professor who is astonished at what he sees and he says to the professor, um, that may not be right, but it's how I feel. Stephen Carter says, that's what's wrong with the world today. Um, faith is dead. Reality is dying. But how I feel is going strong. And increasingly in our world, we live in a world where people want things their way, regardless of whether it's truth or not. They want things to go the way they want them to go. Try running a business with that kind of math. I mean, the first time somebody comes in and buys something, let's say they buy seven items for $5 each, and you ring it up and say, that'll be $75, somebody's going to say, wait a minute, that's over double what it should be. It should be $35. But that's a world that we live in. People are twisting truth to meet their own needs and their own feelings. It's a crazy world. And it's getting crazier. I mean, just think about some of the things that have taken place in recent times. Bruce Jenner becoming Caitlyn Jenner. How crazy is that? Or Target stores permitting transgender to use whichever bathroom they want. Can you imagine a six-foot-four transgender guy going into the bathroom with your wife? Uh, that would not be too cool. Or how about Leah Thomas? Leah is actually a male who has transitioned to female. She is, or he, I don't know what to call her, uh, or him, is now a swimmer on a college team and is breaking records and, and beating all the girls because he still has his male attributes and is able to outswim them. But this latest one that I read about really gets me. It's about a teenage girl in Australia who identifies as a cat. That's right. She's, she claims she's a cat. Now, she, um, she goes to a private school, and they said that she could do that as long as she didn't disrupt the class. How can she not disrupt the class if she's acting like a cat. Um, she doesn't even speak while she's at school. Now they claim she's very intelligent. Uh, she's able to grasp all the teachings that go on. Everyone should be sympathetic to her, but the author of this says um, for her to act like a cat in school, um, we should be praying for her to get help and not for her to be treated as a cat. She's not a cat. She is a human being. But in our crazy world, people have decided that they're, they're going to take the truth and they're going to twist it around. In our postmodern culture, that's the way things are going increasingly. You have your truth, I have my truth, and that's sort of how the world wants to go. I came across in my study this week a word. Apparently it's becoming a popular word. It's 
this word Weltanschauung. Weltanschauung. It's a German word. It means worldview. And it has to do with how you think about the world. Different people have different views of how they think about the world. And we all have our choice to think. Uh, your view may not get you anywhere. In fact, it may get you in trouble. But you have a right to think with a different kind of worldview. We're continuing our series today as we talk about worldview. And we started this series, Why? And this came out of when I was in the hospital back in June, uh, thinking that I was doing while I was laying in the hospital bed and starting to ask a lot of those why questions. Two weeks ago, we talked about why is there suffering. And then last week, we talked about why am I here? Uh, how, how, what did God put me on this earth? Why is, what is my purpose? Those are online. But today we ask the question, why seek a worldview that is shaped by the wisdom of God? You know, God is creator, right? We talked about that in the first sermon in this series. If God is creator, wouldn't he know what's best for us? Wouldn't it be better for us to employ his wisdom and, and seek him out? So I'd like for you to turn today to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, 1 Corinthians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to the church in Corinth. That's a church in Achaia, which is the southern part of modern-day Greece. Uh, the northern part back then was called Macedonia. And there are two major towns in the southern part in Achaia. One is Athens, and across the way from Athens is Corinth. Corinth was greatly influenced by Athens. And God inspired the Apostle Paul to write a letter. They had sent some questions for him about how to deal with things. Remember, the church is very new now. This is AD 55, and the church is still in its infancy. They didn't have all the New Testament yet. That came about by the writings of, largely by the Apostle Paul and some of the other apostles. Corinth lived in, steeped in this Greek culture, this culture that praises philosophy and puts a high premium on knowledge and wisdom that man comes up with. They had 12 temples there in Corinth to various gods. So they were very religious. They just didn't so much worship the God of the Bible. And there were a diverse group of people there in that town. This is in an age, in, in all ages in history, men have tried to force their philosophy onto others and propagate their own ideas, often which are counter to God. So I'd like to read the first few verses here in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians to help you get an idea of where the Apostle Paul is going. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, 
who are coming to nothing. No, we speak God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now let's stop right there for just a minute. And what I want you to begin, as we begin, what I want you to see is there are two types of wisdom we can seek. Two types of wisdom. Uh, Paul references both of them here. He says, basically, there are two ways you can view the world. You can view the world with human wisdom, or you can view the world with godly wisdom. Now, I mentioned Athens, and over in Athens, there was a group called the Areopagus. They were a council. They used to be the ruling counselor of, of uh, Athens, but by the first century, they were a, a little different. They weren't rulers but they debated the latest philosophies. And they talked about the morals and the religious thought that was popular in the day. They had a hunger for information and knowledge and so-called wisdom. And Athens was the center of art and architecture and literature and politics. They had a big university there. And so there were a lot of deep thinkers in this town. Though Corinth was not a university town, this thinking had spilled over into that town to where they put a premium on philosophy and the latest thoughts of the day. This has to do with human wisdom. It's the kind of thinking that took place in these two towns. Paul references back in chapter 1, verse 19, he calls it the wisdom of the wise or the intelligence of the intelligent. In chapter 1, verse 20, he calls it the wisdom of the world. In chapter 1, verse 25, and in chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 5, he calls it human wisdom. Verse 6, the wisdom of the age. Paul's talking about a wisdom that has humanism involved in it. This thinking has to do with man's ideas and man's philosophy about the universe. Uh without consideration of God in creation. Now, I heard a story about this prominent businessman that went to uh, teach at an MBA program in a university. He was just given a lecture for one day and did very well. And when he got through, the class was to ask questions of him. And one of the students raised his hand and asked the question, what's the key to being successful? And the man said, having the wisdom to make good decisions. And the young man said, well, I have a follow-up question. Uh, how do you get that wisdom? And the businessman said, you get that from experience. And the young man said, well, how do you get experience? And the man said, making unwise decisions. And you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, we learn from our mistakes, hopefully. Somebody said wisdom is the reward for listening when you would have preferred to talk. And you know, a lot of times I get myself in trouble for not listening uh, because I'm talking. But life is a lot like that. We make good and bad decisions with human wisdom. You know, human wisdom is based on human knowledge and human thought alone. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same 
and we need to understand that. Do you know the difference? Knowledge is the accumulation of information and storing that information away for future use. But wisdom is the good sense to know what to do with that information or whether to discard it because it's not good. There was a college professor that gave a final exam. And it's typical of the world we live in today. And so he took out a chair and set it up on his desk in the schoolroom. And he went and wrote on the chalkboard, taking everything you've learned in this philosophy class, prove that this chair does not exist. Well, students went to work writing. Some of them wrote multiple pages, and some of them took the whole hour of the class to write their answers out. But there was one young man who took less than a minute. He wrote two words on his paper, turned it into the professor, and the professor uh, gave him the only A in the class. Somebody asked, what was, was it that he wrote on the paper? And he wrote simply those two words, what chair? But that's the thinking of our world today. If I just say in my mind that doesn't exist, then supposedly for you it doesn't exist. That kind, of, that kind of thinking doesn't get it. It's not truth. That chair is physical. It's hard. It's there. I bet if they picked that chair up and hit him over the head with it, he'd know it was there. But that's the kind of world that we live in. Increasingly, people are moving away from the truth and moving to whatever feels good, whatever I feel like. We've got to think about godly wisdom, though. Chapter 1, verse 21 and 24, Paul calls it the wisdom of God. In chapter 2, verse 7, he said, God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, but is destined for our glory. only way we're ever going to get glorified is because we have the wisdom of God and we understand the way that He wants us to go. This is based on the knowledge of God and what He desires and how I apply it to my life. And it starts with a belief that God is real, that He is creator, that He is sustainer of this universe. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we can't really begin to get the wisdom that God wants us to have until we have that healthy fear of the Lord. Some of you may remember when you were little, your dad saying when you did something wrong, I brought you into this world, son, I'll take you out. But God's the one that can really do that. There should be this healthy fear and respect of God. And that's where the beginning of wisdom and knowledge starts. King Solomon was a man that was the third king of Israel. He was the son of King David, the most famous king of Israel. And King Solomon's dad, David, was getting close to death, and they made Solomon king. And one night, he had a dream. Let me read for you 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I can only think about what I would have asked for. Probably to shoot under par 
on an 18-hole golf course. Solomon said, you've been good to my father. You've allowed me to become king. You've been good to me. In verse 9, he said, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, it's recounting this story, and it says, Solomon asked for wisdom and knowledge. God said to Solomon in verse 12, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. In chapter 4, just over the next page, verse 29, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. It goes on to say in verse 34, From all the nations people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. You know, this shows us that if we seek God's wisdom, God is there to give it to us. Now, he may not make us all as wise as Solomon. I've met some people that thought they were. But he will give us the wisdom that we need to live the kind of life that he calls us to live. The Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Colossae to have wisdom. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, listen, the Spirit will lead you and guide you if you'll pay attention, and if you'll seek to grow, God will give you this wisdom. That verse points to the Spirit's work and our desire to grow. Now listen to chapter 2, verse 9, back in 1 Corinthians. However it is written, no eye has seen and no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So what I want you to see next is that godly wisdom comes by way of the Holy Spirit and the Word. When a person commits their life to Christ, when they say, Lord, I believe in you, they confess Him as Lord and Savior, they, they repent and they're baptized into Christ, the Bible says they receive the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And that spirit dwells within the believer. Now the truth is, God created us. We talked about this two weeks ago with free will. We can reject the spirit's leading. We cannot follow the spirit's guidance. Uh, but if you strive to follow that spirit, he's going to work in your life. Listen to some of the things the Bible says the spirit does. John 16, 8, he convicts us. Acts 20, 22, he compels us. Acts 20, 23, he warns us. Romans 5, 5, he pours out God's love into our heart. Romans 8, 11, he gives life. Romans 8, 14, he leads us. Romans 8, 16, he testifies about Jesus. Romans 8, 26, he helps us in our weakness. Romans 8, 26, again, he intercedes when we don't know how to pray. Ephesians 2.18, He gives access to the Father. And 1 Corinthians 12, He gives us spiritual gifts. Those are just some of the things that the Spirit does for us if we follow His leading. Not everybody does. And how do you know when the Spirit is leading you? How do you know that? Well, that has to do with the Word. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It is the Scripture. And the Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. In fact, the Spirit led the authors of these books of the Bible to write what they wrote. God inspired them through the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. And this Word helps us to know the Lord. It brings guidance and conviction where we need it, and it leads us to the will of God. You know, if we pray regularly and we seek the Holy Spirit's speaking to us as we read the Word of God and look for spiritual leading, then we're going to know God better and know His will better. Now that's got to do a lot with knowledge. But when we obey the Word of God and follow His leading, that has to do with wisdom. And worldly wisdom, or godly wisdom, leads us to a worldview that honors God. Now let me tell you, worldly wisdom is not all bad. There's, there's a lot of worldly people that don't claim to know God that do a lot of good in this world. They do. But that doesn't mean that they're following the will of God. And if we don't follow the will of God, we can easily be led out of the will of God into sin. You know, we ought to really ask ourselves regularly, what is the Spirit saying to me? What is the Spirit trying to show me? Um, when you do that, a Bible verse may come to mind. You may get an idea that helps you overcome a situation that you're dealing with. You may get the answer to a question that you have. You know, I've been preaching for 25 years now. Uh, did uh, four years of Bible college, uh, before that, uh, have a master's degree, and the Spirit and the Word still teach me new things all the time. And God wants us to grow in wisdom and knowledge of His will for our lives. But I want you to listen to verse 14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned through the Spirit. 
You see, without the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand God's wisdom. Because sometimes God's wisdom is out there just a little bit. Who sends their son to a cross to die? But in his wisdom, God knew we needed a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. Now, I'm not trying to say here that people that don't have a godly worldview are not smart, or they don't have intelligence, or even that they're stupid. It's just that they don't understand the will of God and they don't think in a way that is consistent with the Creator who designed the world. You know, the Scripture teaches us that the devil can speak to us. He deceives us. He lies to us. He puts things in front of us to tempt us. And if there is a, a bad spirit, it is the devil. If there is a good spirit, it is the Holy Spirit. You know the old cartoon with the devil sitting on one shoulder and the angel sitting on the other shoulder? I feel like that cartoon all the time. These voices in my ear, these temptations in front of me. And we have to choose which one we're going to listen to. I love the old Cherokee Indians used to give a teaching to the little kids. The chief would come out and he would tell the kids when he was talking about doing good and doing evil... And he would say, you know, every one of us has two dogs fighting inside of us. A good dog and a bad dog. And the kids would say, which dog wins? And the chief would say, whichever one you feed the most. And if you feed into the voice of the devil, then you're going to be outside the will of God. But if you feed into the voice of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be drawn to God's will and the way God wants you to go. And your worldview is going to be totally different than a worldview that says a girl can go to school and act like a cat and not get her some kind of help. Or a worldview that says, if you think 7 times 5 is 75, that's okay. Go ahead and live that way. But here's our connection today. And listen to verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. So our connection is a worldview based on godly wisdom leads us to the mind of Christ. You know, when we live a godly, a, a godly life with godly wisdom, we don't have to worry about the judgments that the world makes. We, we don't have to worry about what the, the, the world says. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You know, part of our part is to be obedient. But we have to know the Word of God to know the mind of Christ. And when we gain that mind of Christ, things change. Paul quotes Isaiah forty thirteen here that says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? You know, who has known the mind of the Lord? The ones that have the Holy Spirit in them, which brings the mind of Christ into our lives. And when we have the mind of Christ, everything's different. 
When we have the mind of Christ in him, John 4, 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We have the greatest voice that we could ever hope for breathing into our soul and helping us come to know the will of God. Listen, I heard about a little boy named Johnny. And Johnny was seven years old, and he asked his grandmother, he said, Grandma, how old are you? And Grandma said, I'm 39 and holding. Now, Johnny, being as wise as he was, thought about that for a minute. You all know she was more than 39, right? And Johnny said, Grandma, how old would you be if you let go? He's a pretty sharp little kid. He had some wisdom, didn't he? I want to ask you a question today. How spiritually old are you? How spiritually mature are you? How mature would you be if you let go of the world and grabbed hold of the Holy Spirit and gained the mind of Christ as you seek to live in this world? And then you took that. You took that worldview and you begin to go out into the world and spread the love of Jesus Christ and the grace of Jesus Christ and the truth of Jesus Christ, which we're going to talk about all those three things two weeks from now. How would your worldview change? You know, I think we could have an impact on this crazy world that we live in if we took a worldview of God to the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Jesus and for this mind that he wants to give us and for the Holy Spirit and God for your leading, for your genius to come up with this plan that you would use your people who had been changed by your knowledge and your wisdom and took it to the world to help change the world. But God, we have, to, we have to respond to what you've done in our lives by living out a worldview that promotes you. And so I pray that you help us to be those people as we go forward. We love you today, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.